Welcome to the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, discussing all things audiobooks with the authors that write the stories and the narrators that perform them. Brought to you by Viviana, Enchantress of Books. Hi, everyone, and welcome to season three of the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast. Today, I am chatting with author PJ Fiala. PJ, thank you so much for being here. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to get to know you better, so you're welcome. Why don't we start by having you tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been writing, and how you got started. Okay. Well, uh, I, I live in um, Wisconsin, so the, the frozen tundra. <laughs> We've been having some nice warm weather, but usually it's cold here for many months out of the year. I have uh, four children. I've been writing for nine years. And I started, I've always wanted to write, always wanted to write. But, you know, before self-publishing was a thing uh, and in back in the day, to, to it, it seemed insurmountable for me to try to find out how to reach out to a publisher and to send your book in and to, um, you know, to wait for a response. It just seemed like there were so few people that were going to be granted the permission to do that right so it seemed like a like a pie dream to think that I would ever be a published author um, but we'd always talked about it my husband and I we've been married for a long time and uh, we it was always a joke oh someday you'll put that in a book or someday <laughs> I'll put that in a book and it was just kind of an aside joke but nine years ago I was a I used to work as a paralegal and I was working at a job where I drove uh, 90 miles one way. Oh, but I did it because I loved the job. I loved the attorneys I worked with. I loved the office. I loved the job. It was an opportunity I couldn't pass up. But after about a year and a half, my husband really wanted me to not be driving that much. It's an, you know, it's uh, three hours a day on the road. Yeah. So, um, so I started looking for a job closer to home and I found one and um, made the move and I knew the first day it was a mistake. The attorney that I worked for was awful. She was just absolutely awful. Mm -hmm. And I, I just didn't know what to do from there. I mean, I had just started the job and um, I'd I'd sit in the parking lot and cry before I walked into the Mm -hmm. office in the morning. I just hated to go in there so much. And my husband and I talked a little bit and he was the one that said, you know, maybe, maybe now is the time you start sitting down and writing those books or you're always going to be working for people like her. Good point. So I sat down and started writing. And then as I started doing research, I saw that, you know, gosh, self-publishing is kind of a thing (laughs) (laughs) and maybe I actually could make it a reality. Well, here we are. (laughs) And here we are. (laughs) Yeah. Have you found that the, the, the journey in the self-publishing world has been obviously with its challenges and learning curves and things like that, but have you enjoyed it? Um, You know, yeah, for the most part, first of all, you know, to be able to write stories is, it is a dream come true. And, and I'm fortunate to be able to, to do what I love to do. And, you know, every job has its challenges. And of course the learning curve was huge. I mean, I didn't even belong to a book group on social media. When I first started writing, it was like, I didn't know they existed, right? Um, so so the learning curve for me was like stepping off a mountain and, and trying not to get hurt as I fell. And so it was it was big, but 
you know, and there's always uh, people, you know, people can suck. <laughs> so the, the things that you deal with, with encountering some people um, that don't necessarily have your best interest at heart, but have their own and, you know, trusting too much, all that stuff. Oh but yeah, girl, I've been the there, done that. Is, mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 you know, you just kind of trust that someone is, you know, at their face value and you find out later it's not necessarily the case, but that's with any profession, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that is true. And so how did you end up writing romance? Well, I was a romance reader. I loved reading romance. Actually, one of the uh, genres that I love to read is historical. I don't write historical because the learning curve is tremendous <laughs> for that. I mean, uh, readers that read historical romance are very educated readers. They know the year the button was invented. Oh, yeah. They know when there were ties on britches and pantaloons. And, and the, so you have to be precise when you're writing that. And so I'll just be a historical romance romance reader <laughs> and <laughs> write the other stuff <laughs> yeah um so when it comes down to your your books where do you get the ideas for them you know i i i don't know i get asked this question a lot and i just think it's um people first of all people are interesting i could i could sit in a mall and watch people all day long, right? Everybody has, you know, their different style and their different characteristics and their different behaviors. And they're interesting to watch how different people interact with each other. And then, you know, you've got the news coming up with the things that are going on with various people in your area and around the world and putting all those scenarios together uh, it's pretty easy to create a story on any given day. I've probably got more stories in my head than I'll ever have time to write. And for your the books that you write specifically, because you have, they all sit sort of in the, like, the contemporary romance side of things, but yours are also a bit more in the MC or special ops kind of a thing, right? Yeah, romantic suspense. And, you know, kind of I have when I started, it was just sort of suspense light, I guess. You know, you're trying to find your feet and where you're going to land. And I thought that just contemporary romance without suspenseful elements for me uh, seemed a little, you know, boring. Um, And so I started adding suspenseful plots and and things happening. And I I really uh, liked that. And I come from a family of veterans. So I started incorporating uh, the the former veterans, former military uh, heroes and heroines in my stories. And actually, I think all but one or two have um, a former military hero or heroine in it. So yeah, I know that um, something that sometimes uh, the readers and the listeners discuss with romantic suspense is sometimes where there's that one scene, not all authors do it, but some authors do it. And I'm wondering if it's one of those, like, are they paying attention games test where bums are blazing, 
guns you know they're being fired bullets are flying through and then they're making out or (laughs) (laughs) Or she has that moment of damn he's hot and she and he has that it dawns on him too and boom you know as he's pushing her away from the exploding you know car or whatever they kiss and i'm going guys things are going kaboom (laughs) i find that too and i'm writing scenes and especially in the beginning when they're first getting to know each other and there's that first hot attraction that it's hard to separate you know somebody that's on the run for instance uh, you're not always going to take the time right to just to get down to business when you're running from bad guys or bullets or whatever. So you always have to find a way to make it seem plausible that they would now be somewhere where they could take the time to get to know each other better. And uh, yeah, I, I, I find exactly what you said is interesting. That all of a sudden <laughs> they're, they're making out as bullets are flying overhead. It's like, no, that's not going to, that's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, I know you hot and everything, but um, can we just wait until later? Thanks. Yes. <laughs> when you get us out of this, we'll reconvene. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Save me first. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> get the, that job done and then you can do the other job. Uh, <laughs> Do you find that there are some scenes in the books that you write are more fun for you and some that are more like mm, insert that scene here? We'll, we'll talk about it later kind of a thing. You'll get to it later. Or do you do you have a favorite scene to write? Well, I, um, you know, I always tell my husband because he'll always say, are you even having fun with this? You know, when I'm complaining about frustrations <laughs> on any given day and he'll say, are you even having fun with this? And, and my response is always, I always have fun with it. Um, I, I love writing sex scenes. I, I struggle a little bit with not making them all samey. You know, they can't all be the same, right? Especially if you're writing a series, you've got to, you've got to come up with ways to make them different and, and, and more towards what the character's personality would be like. I also like uh, the first meeting. Mm. That's always uh, kind of fun. It's like, how am I going to put these two together? And, and I've, I've had a lot of different ways where they've first met. That's cool. Yeah. uh, Usually authors sometimes either they love it or they hate writing those sex scenes. And I have a friend author that literally would, would insert the right, you know, insert sex scene here and then we'll continue with the story. Uh, and so, and in other ones, I have another one that writes romantic suspense. And sometimes the, the, the difficulty in the scene is writing a, a fight scene. And for her, it's more about making sure that the fight scene is more realistic. And so they're like, we'll insert later and then they'll go get with somebody that isn't maybe a fighter or a friend that does martial arts or something. And like, okay, if I smack him on the left side, which direction is his body going to fall? You know, yes. that'd be that one thing that you're going, wait, I'm going to, mm, you know, the reader's like, wait, hold on a minute. I'm going to punch you with the eyes. <laughs> and why is he leaving? No, that's the wrong direction, girl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can't have arms and legs all over the darn place. You've got to be accurate. Readers do pick up on that. Oh, yeah. It's up in the review. There were three hands and there was only four, you know, two people. And this was not a reverse harem. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
So you've written these books, you have these characters, the genre that you love in writing and stuff like that. What made you decide to take that extra step now and say, hey, I'm going to put it in audio? I just kind of felt like it was time and I, I, I'm probably a year behind. I, you know, I would have liked to have had them out sooner. Audio is really exploding in the market and um, you know, it's always time and money, right? You gotta, and it seemed at first, it seemed like anything else. It's like, well, I don't even know how I'll start to find uh, uh, um, narrators. And I didn't want to do like a royalty share thing with ACX. I wanted to do something on my own. And um, I just wasn't sure how to, to go about that. So, you know, I, it takes a while. You, you have to find authors whom you trust and you see that they are doing well, that you would ask them, how did you find your narrators or what, you know, how did you go about starting your audio? Did you work with a company? Did you work on your own? And to see what they, you know, uh, did they, like one way better than another? Um, did they do it the same way? Did they do it differently? And then to assess how I would like to do it myself. It, and that takes a while because in the meantime, I'm still trying to put out books and I'm still trying to market the old, the backlist and, you know, keep, keep all the balls in the air here. So uh, it's, it seems like, you, you know, you can parse out an hour or two here and there to set aside to research some of this stuff, but it, and, and that ends up taking a long time. So. Yeah. I think sometimes we forget that while it's still a business, because you guys are a business, having those conversations about, hey, you know, how did you find your narrator? So about that. It's very similar to like when you have a friend or you, you know, you're in line with something, you're like, oh my God, I love your tattoo. Where'd you get it? You know, mm -hmm. or hey, I love your hair color. How, who did that? And it's just kind of getting those yeah. referrals and references. And that's usually the best way to start. So that was uh, versus, you know, any Tom, Dick and Harry on ACX because sometimes. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I wanted. And, and that doesn't mean, I guess, that they don't have good edit, uh, narrators, but I I just wanted to be separate and own what we end up putting out yeah. so that I can market it how I would like to market it. So, oh, yeah, no. Uh, and ACX I want to be careful with it. Yes. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, ACX, I mean, we all have to start somewhere and you don't ever start, sure. you know, working at Tiffany's in, in the boutique, you know, you kind of start at other places and then you work your way up. Um, and yep. a lot of people, narrators will start in ACX and that's fine, but that's also sometimes, unfortunately, there have been situations where authors have been completely fucked over and you know mm -hmm. files are not done or anything so that's it like what you said before as with any business there's always the bad apples and things like that so it is important to do the yeah. research <laughs> yeah. and yeah. and and of course also finding the narrators that fit your characters because you can have yes. the top of the line narrator available and you have the funds but if they don't match the character it's a mute point at least in my yeah. you know my eyes um and so yeah. you your books are narrated by a uh, rose Dioro and Troy Duran for the most part. And yes. Um, yes. I, yeah, I've had them both on the podcast. They're very nice. <laughs> yeah. How did you? They do a great job. Yeah. How did you land on them? Did you, you know, reach out to one and then the other one did the casting or was it a, a dual thing? Like, how was that for you? You know, I actually went through Brickshop Audio. Uh, I had a couple authors tell me that that's how they, they started uh, producing their audiobooks. And one author in particular said she had had uh, a few 
maybe a short series or something uh, narrated and she worked through Brickshop. And then she said, and then I, I left them thinking maybe I could do it on my own. And so she tried another series like out on her own, trying to just approach narrators, you know, either through social media somehow. And she said, I turned around and went back to Brickshop <laughs> because <laughs> they kind of make it easy, right? We've got a project manager who's managing all the files. And, and especially when you're doing the dual narration, it's like, when is this one's going to be done? And when is this one going to be done and putting them together? And so um, I went through them and she sent me, I think seven or eight auditions from different people. And uh, one of the, the things that uh, I work with Samara uh, at Brickshop. And one of the things that she had said was, you know, try to find a, a portion or a section of your book that has multiple voices. So you can hear how they would do different voices. So I, um, the first book that I had narrated was Ford Finding His Fire, which is the first book in my big three security series. And in that book, Ford has a niece, a little niece who's eight years old. Uh -huh. And there was a section where he's talking with her and then talking with Megan, the heroine, and then, and, and then himself and then his sister. And so I had that clip out there for um, both the male and the female narrators. And then I also had another section that was more from the heroine's point of view that had multiple voices. And one of the things that I noticed right away with, I listened to the female narrators first. Rose was the only narrator in the, in the grouping that I had listened to that changed her voice for all the different characters. And the other narrators that I had gotten snippets from or samples from uh, didn't really do a very good job with that. So that was my right, right away when I heard her and she's, she's very good at it. I mean, she really adds a lot. You can tell she's an actress also because she, you know, she really adds a lot of emotion and, and intonation into her narration. And then with Troy, well, he does a great job with changing his voice for different characters, but you know, his voice in general is just, <laughs> as soon as I played it for my husband, he said that one, right? <laughs> I said, yep, that's the one. <laughs> Good job, hubby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's important. I think sometimes, especially when their authors are starting out at times, they're, they're obviously the cost and what it entails, the process of it is, can be very daunting. And, but then yeah. they kind of always want the narrators that are more well-known or have a bigger social media platform of sorts, but it's finding that right narrator that was going to do your character and your story justice is the most important yeah. thing. Yeah. No, Brickshop and Samara, yeah. they're awesome. They're, they're great to work with. So they're wonderful. They mm -hmm. Yeah, for real. Do you listen to your books once they become the audiobook as far as like part of the proofing aspect of it are or no? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> I just got one in today. So I'll just take the time. And if I'm just, you know, doing emails or doing mundane stuff that I don't have to focus too hard on. I will have a plane in the background because I can catch things pretty quickly and they've been so spot on. It's there's hardly ever something that has to be changed. So, and, and they've been also very good. I've got now this, this book that I just got back today to start proofing the characters. The main character's name is Charlesia 
And so they, before they even started, they, Rose and Troy each contacted Samara and said, we'd like to know how we pronounce this name before we start. So some of those things are already set before they even start recording, which really takes, makes the editing so easy. <laughs> so I just have it playing in the background. Or for instance, tomorrow, my husband and I are leaving to go to Louisville, Kentucky for knockout book bash, uh, book signing. And so I'll have it in the car uh, and we'll listen to it so that we can prove it as we drive. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's um yeah. And authors have providing the narrators, whether they're producing it via production company, a publishing house or on their own. I think authors are starting to realize that it's important to kind of give the narrators a list of specific information with regards to the characters, wh- whether it's an accent, if it's a lisp, if it's a bit of a cadence, if this is the kind of character that when they get excited, they talk really, really, really fast, <laughs> you know, yeah. versus, yeah. you know, finding out in chapter 25 that, oh, he has a Russian accent. Oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where the heck did that come from? <laughs> yeah. Well, apparently it happened a few times for to different narratives where the accent was never discussed in the first two or three books of the series. And it comes out in their book three or four. And you know, the, the Irish rogue, I'm like, they're like, wait, what? I'm like, this is the same character. They're like, yeah. Didn't anybody I'm like, no, I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, and you know, yeah. maybe they decided to become this... Irish. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> it could happen. Could yeah. Happen. Fiction. Yeah. Yeah. The, when, uh, um, so this is the first, um, the, I'm sorry, the third series that Rose and Troy are working on right now of mine. And this third series actually is loosely related to the second and the first series. So they've gotten to know the characters throughout the other books, the other series, they've been as, as they've been mentioned here and there. So as far as accents go, I, I have a few characters in some of my books my books, my heroes and heroines who are of Hispanic descent and they've done a beautiful job with, and then just following those characters all the way through each book and series. So, um, so far they've been spot on. Good. Yeah. Those accents are, are always uh, important to do them any kind, whether it's Irish or British or Scottish, but also enough where we can tell and think that, Oh, look, it's a Spanish accent or it's a British accent. But at the same time, understanding yeah. that uh, if it was full blown on, we may not be listening to that because we don't understand it. <laughs> yeah. Or sometimes Southern accents can be pretty hard. To oh, yes, too. yes, yes. <laughs> Even Cajun is another one. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yep. No, nope, I know. Um, with 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 uh visiting Texas because I have family there and a couple of other places like Savannah, Georgia, and Atlanta, even Kentucky. Um, I, I yeah. understand. And also the importance of knowing that even though it says a southern accent, having that information of which where because it all varies depending on the state oh, and yes. sometimes the county. So that's why sometimes a little is a lot better than a lot you know, and more. So yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So you're going to this uh, knockout book bash, book signing, yes. um, but also in September, you're going to be going to Allure, which is a um, book yes. signing as well, but specifically for audiobooks. Yes, and I'm very excited because uh, it's different. I've never been to an audiobook con, so I'm not sure what to expect exactly, but I'm very excited to go. 
Yeah. No, it's the first of its kind. So I don't think any of us really know what to expect. Okay. <laughs> but except, I mean, the, the way that I'm kind of going with it is it's the exact same thing as going to a regular convention. They just happen to have the narrators on there, but as main features where, sure. you know, sometimes they'll have them or like when they'll have the, the book models, you know, sure. <laughs> at an sure. event. They're just, this is the whole concept. I was thrilled that they were doing it specifically for the audiobooks because there is such a huge following and audience of them. And many times we feel like a little left out when it comes down to book signings because we're missing parts of the story as far as the narrators go. Or sometimes yeah. the authors are like, no, nah, you know, um, but it's going to be a fun event. And what are you looking I, I forward so to too. the most? And the the fire and ice ball sounds fun. And just, well, actually it all sounds fun. So yeah. I'm, I'm excited for it. And mm-hmm. Troy will be there. Yes. Yes, he will. I'm excited. I had a couple of chats with him online and he's been on the podcast, but, you know, meeting them is always like, oh my God. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) well you know if they have a good personality they can really make an event and case in point was i was just at a book signing last weekend before last and there was a couple models there actually there were three models book models walking around who had uh, books there with their pictures on the cover and two of them well i'll say one of them actually just kind of sat at a table on his phone the whole time didn't really engage with people and you know there's hardly ever anybody stopping at that table where two tables down one of the models was standing he stood the whole time he engaged with the readers oh he was flirting with them and taking their (laughs) pictures with him and they there was always a crowd around that table and she was selling books like crazy because of him and his personality right and then the third one, I saw him walking around a lot, but I didn't see how he engaged with people. But it might makes a difference. And the same with narrators. If they will engage with readers, they will really help sell a book or oh. several books. Oh, absolutely. Whether it's in person or even social media. It, it, it's always funny, too, because I think a lot of the individuals that are in this industry, in particular authors, tend to be more introverts. And yeah. also, they also tend to have problems with promoting themselves. Yes. And then they go to a book event <laughs> convention where yeah. they have to engage with the public and, and be, you know, on all the time while they're, you yes. know, uh, at, at the signing events and then uh, be approachable. But they're also, you have that in, you know, a mix of the imposter syndrome. Oh, no one's going to yeah. come and see me. And so they get shy and they start kind of, you see them sometimes kind of going down and I'm going, no, 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 no. Hi, <laughs> how are you? <ya?" laughs> yep. yep. Yeah. You've got to stand up and always be, I, I never sit at my table. I always stand um, because that's more approachable, I think, than as if you're sitting behind your table, like you're the queen waiting for her audience to approach. Ooh, and uh, that's true. <laughs> and, you know, I love, I mean, unless my feet will really hurt, but it's, it is a lot and it's ex- exhausting by the time you get back to oh, your yeah. room at, at night, but it's always worthwhile and fun. Yeah, no, it's it's really a, a lot of that, you know, peopling. I think many of us are going to have to remember what that's like. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. um, I, you know, I, I haven't been to a convention since this whole thing started. So it's been about two and a half years since I've sure. been to something like this. But, you know, ha- having these conversations with you guys prior to the events, you know, I'm planning on doing a couple of other little things here and there with some of the, the organizers and stuff like that always makes it for an easier in-person 
you're like, Hey, PJ, yeah. hey, how are you? You know? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. <laughs> yeah. and, and the narrators are, you know, they'll have, you know, they're the majority of ones that I know are, are very sweet and stuff. Troy definitely has a personality on him and yes. uh, he will be getting people around and stuff like that. So I'm kind of looking forward to, I like people watching when it comes to stuff like that too because sure. I'm, I'm, many times I'm going, bro, you are such the introvert. How are you putting this on? Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know, um, says the girl that's also an introvert, but has social, you know, extrovert tendencies when she has to. So it's, yeah. um... <laughs> well, you do what you got to do, right? I mean, oh, if yeah. you're a professional, you do what you have to do. Oh, yeah. And oh, no, yeah. People just can't do that. I'm even watching in the author group of this signing I'm going to this week. Uh, you can tell those that are nervous because they're posting, but I've got swag at my table, come to my table and get some of my swag. You know, they're so worried that nobody will show up and what they need to realize is everybody will show up. Yeah. Well, They'll you know, there. it's hard. It's hard. It is. It's that the, you know, you're a, you're, you're sitting. Um, so and if anybody's listening that has never, ever been to a convention or a signing like this, a lot of times they'll put the, the, the tables, um, in an aisle format. So you'll have the center where people can walk around and then you have tables on either side and, and then it becomes almost like the cafeteria scenario where the tables are next yeah. to each other and things like that. And of course, yeah. there's the swag in the books on the table. Some, some of them will have banners. It depends if you're in the corner. There's a lot of factors too, where they're at <laughs> and things like that. And, and then you have just the very, we're all human. And yes. it, it has that moment of like, no one's going to come and see me. Why would they want to? No one knows yes. me. I'm just starting or I only have, you know, a thousand followers, blah, blah, blah. And those voices can get very, very loud. And they everybody's can. also Especially looking. When you're with big authors. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But I mean, it's it's just one of those, even, even in a group of peers, sometimes there's always one person, I think, that always, you know, has that moment of, again, imposter syndrome that just gets yeah. loud. And you, then you're like, yeah. shut the hell up. Um, <laughs> to the voice, you know, and there's also a lot of money involved. I mean, the, the money to to travel to the event, to be at yeah. the event, the swag and stuff like that. Just, so then there's also that fear of like, oh my God, no one's going to yes. want to buy anything. No one's going to get anything. I bought all this stuff for, for nothing. Again, imposter yeah. syndrome gets loud. Um, but yeah, that's also where, you know, when you find those readers that are, are raving about you or loving on you, I, I always say, you know, grab a friend that has never read or listen to that book and bring them over to that author introduce yeah. you know yes. and kind of go yeah. from there and you know just being kind it goes such a long way and and you know oh absolutely yeah <laughs> absolutely <laughs> yeah. oh yeah and you know having that information there too like uh, some having those books out there with the covers because i have stopped many a times of of like literally like like a squeeze from like Wah! simply because the, the cover come out and I'm like, Hey, I have no idea who you are, or what you write, but man, that's a great cover. Tell me more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> the eyes get lit up. They start talking, you know, everything's great, but we're going to be having so much fun. And I'm also the girl that if I see nobody at a table, I'm going to rush over there and I'm like, hi, what you doing? <laughs> what you writing? You know, yeah. um, and stuff cool. like that. So it's going to be all fun and stuff. Um, yeah, when you're not you planning on going to events and signings and booking and you're not marketing your books and writing and doing all this other fun stuff that has to do with business, what do you do for fun? Well, we, uh, my husband and I are bikers, so we, we hop on the motorcycle. We're actually getting ready to, we always take a big vacation every summer and it's late this year because of some of these book signings that 
have rescheduled from being canceled last year. So uh, normally we go like this week, we, the last week of July, we'd normally be gone. But this year we're heading, uh, we have a nice little group of friends that we go with. There's about uh, five couples all together. And we're headed to the Ozarks. We had to stay a little bit closer to home this year because of tight scheduling for people. But we take a big vacation each year and we'll just ride around the Ozarks this year. And um, we got an Airbnb. We'll go in a different direction every day and stop and see sites and look, stay in little towns. And um, that's kind of a big thing. We Our same group that we bike with uh, for vacation, we always have a Thursday night a dinner ride so we'll go ride for a little while and then stop somewhere and have dinner so we do that and then this year my husband and i uh, jumped into the e-bikes hmm. so more of a bicycle the electron the electric bikes yeah uh, we did that because we have friends we went to florida for three weeks this year and our friends that live down there have gotten them and they took us on a couple trails and let us borrow their bikes and we we really liked that a lot so we've been <laughs> Uh, like last night we had a little time, we had about an hour to kill. So we said, let's just take the, the e-bikes out and go for a little ride. So we've been doing that too. So, yeah. So see, you're in the motorcycle club too, huh? <laughs> <laughs> kind of. We, we're old, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I mean, my, my dad was a huge biker. He had his Harley and stuff like that. I, I you know, have photos of my mom who was also loved her bike for a while. I mean, she was, I think. In one of the photos, um, about it was me and my sister, so twins always a little bit bigger, but maybe about five or six months pregnant, and the tummy out oh, and everything okay. next to her bike. And I'm going, Mom, you weren't <laughs> riding that when we were there, right? Yeah. <laughs> he goes, it would explain some things, right? I'm like, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, if, yeah. You, if you ride, you ride all the time. Yeah, no, I mean, it was everything. I mean, my dad loved it. Um, sometimes those were the fights as as they got older, you know, whereas it's it's here, Florida, it rains and the summer, we either had, you know, our dry, our seasons are wet and dry, uh, dry, <laughs> dry being in the winter, which, you know, it's not, that's just, just dry and uh, wet is our summers. And so every day, the exception of a handful of days where it's not every day, but it becomes every other day, we have afternoon showers and it's not just little sprinkles. Now it's like, like hurricane are coming kind of at times with, you know, thunders and, and winds and all this stuff. And that will it last five minutes, perhaps sometimes. Yes. Will it last longer? Yeah. But those were the fights sometimes they would have because he wants to take his bike in the morning to go to work because it was such a pretty day out. And she's like, you do realize where you live, right? By the time <laughs> you leave, it's going to be raining and, you know, hair being protective and caring and him being, they don't tell me what to do kind of a thing. And it's my bike. Yeah. I'm like, whatever. Um, oh gosh. Yeah. So this is when I, so I, I grew up with the bikes as far as I never rode one. They, you know, I was never, by the time we came around, I think her bike obviously became more of a car as soon as the pregnant, you know, pregnancy occurred. Um, and then of course, you know, you don't put kids in the bikes. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. So it's on my to-do list. I, I kind of want to just at least oh, yes. go like Wee! for a moment. <laughs> so, and then it's, just, uh, it's a great sense of freedom. Mm -hmm. I, I've heard that. That's what that is, yeah. is that you kind of have to trust. And I'm going, Hmm, that's a big word trust uh, <laughs> yeah but uh yeah. yeah it's on my list so well that's exciting so uh, that'd be fine I'm sure I'm su surprised you don't write a whole lot of like motorcycle stuff in your books or you do but it's more from that special ops perspective versus the MC stuff rather 
Well, you know, I do have a series, my Rolling Thunder series was one of the first big series that I wrote. And that's Rolling Thunder is a motorcycle shop. Ah. And so they're not outlaws, right? They're, it's been hard to market that series because they're not outlaws. Everybody was writing the outlaw bikers that were, you know, um, the bad boys that the girl was going to tame. And uh, these guys are just good guys. They, we, uh, we live where we live here in Green Bay. There's a, a ride, a great big ride every year called the Veterans Ride. And it's a local bar that works together with a couple of the veterans groups in the area. And they have a ride. They raise money to help local veterans with whatever they need, uh, you know, a, a special needs. Um, it might be that uh, you've got an older veteran that uh, his front porch is falling apart and he, you know, can't afford to have it fixed or they, he might need a cane or a wheelchair or wheelchair ramp built or medical assistance or just even uh, transportation to get to and from doctor's appointments. Whatever a veteran in the area needs is what they raise money for. And they've raised, I think, more than a million dollars now over the years that they've been doing this ride. And because of that ride, and it's my favorite ride of the year because it's so well organized, um, I, that's how Rolling Thunder came to be, is that Rolling Thunder is a bike shop and they organize a veterans ride every year. And the series is, I call it kind of a family saga because the series of the first book is Jeremiah who owns Rolling Thunder. And then the next book hero is one of his twin sons. And then the next one is the veteran who received the benefits that year. And the next one is Jossie, the heroine from the first book, her son. So, it, you know, each book is about one of the family members or one of the employees of the bike shop. So they're just, they're just good guys. They're not out breaking the law. It's been hard to market that one. So I just kind of put it in romantic suspense. And that's the series I call suspense light because I don't know what else to call it. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody sometimes when it comes down, especially in romance, they're like, it's a motorcycle gang and she will tame him. Like that's not, not kind of how that works, but okay. No, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, there's He'll a make lot a of lady and slap a vest on her. And that's about it. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And, and so that's when I, when I see those, there's been a couple of other, also in romantic suspense where they were bikers and they own a bike shop, but they were also undercover cops um, and special ops okay. of sorts and stuff like that. So those sure. were always fun. Okay. And I'm like, cause they would get yeah. on the bikes to just do fun stuff. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's sure. what that's like. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So as we continue to get to know you better, let's do a lovely game that I love to play with my guests, the two truths and a lie, where you tell us three things about you and we try to figure out which one's the lie. If you're ready. Okay. Okay. So I drink bourbon, uh, just straight up in a glass, no ice. I am nearly six feet tall at 5'11". And I... Um, and my third thing is I am 69 years old. Mm. Okay. I'm going to say the lie that you're 69 years old. <laughs> Actually, I screwed that up. <laughs> <laughs> I had two lies and a truth. <laughs> Either way, the lie is still that you're 69 years old. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not 69. I'm 63 though. Oh my goodness. No, no. You're like, like you're at least in, at least in your early twenties. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
Now, my mom was 32 for quite some time. So yeah. um, <laughs> I'm just used to that. <laughs> yep. I, for a while there, I started saying that I was having, like when I turned 39, I said I was having the 10th anniversary of my 29th birthday. And it would make people think a little bit. It'd be like, yes, uh, you know, have to count. And then it just got too hard to count. So yeah. <laughs> I just I gave in. Yeah, I may have to borrow that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Just for shits and giggles, especially since I have allergies in mathematics. My mom always said hate is a strong word and I shouldn't use it. So like allergies, <laughs> we all have to deal with it. So there I am dealing yeah. with my math. But yeah. There you go. Okay. So um, straight bourbon is it true if you do that? Or is that what we'll Oh, wow. I love straight bourbon. Really? So oh, I'm we're going to Kentucky because I think we're going to have to stop at a couple of distilleries and yes. bring some new bottles home. Yeah, no, there's a, there's a great place for that. And they had been there once, did not have the opportunity to go to anything, but uh, I've heard they're really, really good there. So as far as even the tasting of it. Oh, yeah. I've tried it. I've tried, but I, it's just like straight alcohol, like like rubbing alcohol for me. <laughs> Um, it's an acquired taste. It took me a little while to get used to it. And, and actually we went to a party at a friend's house and, and she was, she was just a hoot. She's a, a, a little short Italian lady, but she was gregarious. She was, she just had a fun out there personality. And she handed my husband a glass of bourbon and she said, here, you've got to taste this. It's the greatest stuff ever. And he took a big swallow of it. And he, oh my. he leaned over to me and he goes, help me. Oh. <laughs> and you have to learn that you have to sip it. And then, you know, after you try it a few times and it really does, you can tell the difference in, in how different ones are distilled. So we've, we try to taste test different ones and see which ones we like the best, but yeah. What is it? Woolworth, Woldroff, Woldroff. There's one with oh, a W. Uh, yeah, that is that the one that sponsored or used to sponsor the Kentucky Derby? Maybe. Um, it's one of those sophisticated, uh, yeah. and tire tears in the shelf. Woodfield Reserve. Yes, is, that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That yeah, one. That's very expensive. Very pricey. Yeah, but that one I was like, okay, maybe no, not really, but okay. Uh, <laughs> well, otherwise I was like, can't do it, Captain. Mm-mm. Nope. Mm. But yeah, the smoothest one I have found, and there really is a difference. It's just smoother. It's not as harsh or burny, like you say the the you know like the rubbing alcohol sensation in your throat is Knob Creek. That one is smoother. It's just a little softer um, going down. Perfect. I'm writing that down. Yeah. There you go. K-N-O-B Creek. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I'm all for trying new things. I like trying different, you know, stuff um, when it comes down to the cocktails um, for fun and things like that. Cause you know, usually you get what the beer when you're a teenager. Um. Yeah. Or wasn't it like the Mogan David wine, the old cheap wines that you can Yeah, the like ones in the box too. That had done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, of course, you have those moments where you're like, I'm so sophisticated. So you go straight into the wine phase of bit of sorts. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I just want my margarita and a Bahama Mama. Yeah. We'll, we'll have a couple shots of bourbon and add a lure. How about that? Perfect. Yes, yes, definitely. We'll be doing that. And you'll okay. be drinking me under the table uh, with that one. But I will try it. Yeah. <laughs> We'll definitely be getting. I'm excited um, to meet you and everybody else. Yeah. 
So before we go, can you tell us what you're currently working on and what's um, coming up for you that you can share? Sure. Well, actually, I have a release tomorrow. Uh, Keeping Corey is the seventh book in my Raptor series. So that release is tomorrow. Actually, I just got an email from Apple that it released on Apple today. But anyway, that's the newest release. And uh, Healing Hope, the eighth book in my Raptor series will release uh, November, uh, I'm sorry, um, September 29th. And then as to audiobooks, I have Holding Hadley, which is book two of my Raptor series. That releases next week. And then the third book in the Raptor series, Craving Charlesia, that releases, that's audiobook, releases August 18th. Adding more to our, you know, to, to be read, listen list. <laughs> so it's great. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, it's, I love it. I love it when the, when there's a series and we can kind of go back and forth. And I know that a lot of times um, fans want the simultaneous release, but there's a lot of factors that I've, I've talked about before that sometimes just can't happen. And so I will pick up the book and read it if I can't wait, or, you know, I will entertain myself with another author uh, because it's not cheating. Uh, (laughs) um, (laughs) And, uh, and then, you know, when your comes out and stuff like that, we're like, okay, it is time. We sit down and we listen and we do stuff. Yes. So yeah. Yeah. So the simultaneous release, you're you're working on that, you said? Yeah, because we're releasing backlist stuff into audio right now. So, you know, I mean, that's that's kind of how it's working out. But as we move forward, I'm hoping to get to the simultaneous release by next year, which uh will be nice to do. Cool. Yeah. Please, and not to be a Debbie Donner or anything, but you're gonna do everything fantastically on that. And you always kind of have to wait on the audible gods <laughs> to to process yes. that. So hopefully between yeah. now and when you do that, they have gotten their shit together. So things yeah. are not <laughs> I mean, yeah. But yeah, no, we, we love it. Yeah. We're willing to wait. So that's the other thing too. I think the listeners and the readers that know and it's worth it, we're willing to wait. It's okay. So as long as we're getting Good. it, we're fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As long as you know it's coming. Exactly. Yes. As long as we know it's coming and who has been cast and all that fun stuff, we are okay for when it comes out. So yeah, no, you're good. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, PJ, for taking the time to hang out with me today. It's been so much fun. It has been fun. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been an enjoyable experience. Yeah. So thank you. I will be including all of her social media uh, links on the post over at Viviana Enchanters of Books. So you guys can make sure to follow her. And until next time, happy listenings. Thank you to all of our audiobook-loving podcast Patreon. Special thanks to Nixley Zenner, Carol Liebner, Brittany Robinette Leiter, Michelle Bastard, Brandy Schmidt, April Branson. The audiobook-loving podcast has special Patreon access levels. Join today to receive benefits including early access to episodes, shout-outs, special exclusive content, and much more. Support the podcast by becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash audiobookloving. We thank you for your support. Thank you for joining us on the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, hosted by Viviana Enchantress of Books. For links and more information discussed in today's episode, previous podcasts, or the Audiobook Lovin' series, please visit our website, vivianaenchantressofbooks.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a positive review wherever you listen to our podcast. Until next time, happy listening.